years and years ago on Fourth of July weekend, I had a family member who was killed by a drunk driver. She was 24. She was full of life and right on the edge of doing all kind of wonderful things. And in, in an instant, she was gone. And so I uh, I know people don't want to talk about downer stuff on the radio, but it's really important that we have these conversations. And so every year, this time of year, I do like to mention that it's so important to have conversations about sober driving and not distracted driving, which is another thing, another thing plaguing us on our roads. Um, and so joining us, we have a special guest with us, and that is Doug Scholes, who is the Great Lakes Area Regional Director of Mothers Against Drunk Driving. Doug, welcome to the program. Thanks so much for being with us today. Uh, thank you, Amy. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Thank you. And and so, you know, I know there's a lot of campaigns. There's so much wonderful work that, that uh, MAD does. You can, everybody read all about it, MAD with two Ds, dot org. You can find out about a lot of these. Um, this time of year in particular, though, is referred to as the 100 Deadly Days of Summer. And so I know that MAD is doing a lot of work around that in particular right now. Yeah, and I, I appreciate you giving me this opportunity to uh, to talk about this because, like you just were saying here in the intro, it's a, it can happen to anyone at any time. And unfortunately, you know, we have to remind folks that drunk driving is still the biggest killer on our roadways. And we put this together with summer holiday time and the weather's nice. There's a lot of people who take to the roads, and there's going to be alcohol involved. So we really want to remind people to you know plan ahead. And I can go to the, all the taglines, but they're not just you know, jingles and taglines. These, you know, these messages really do save lives if we put it to action. Yeah. And, you know, I think one thing that that is often missed, I think organizations like MAD have really done such a great job of educating the public about why it is so important to to drive sober. But I think one barrier of that is is still, I think people are resistant to have what they might believe would be an awkward conversation with somebody who may have had too much to drink. Of course, it, it is awkward, and and we, we recognize that. But if you put it in perspective, by stopping someone from driving when they're impaired, um, you may be saving that person's life and probably you know something from being hurt at the very least or bad things happening to them on the way home, which could be an arrest. It could be uh, you know a fender bender, but it could be much more worse than taking someone's life. Um, I cannot tell you how many times I have heard getting the phone calls from folks seeking our organization for help when their lives have been totally turned upside down in a matter of an instant because somebody made a poor decision to drive after they've been impaired. The one thing that I always is a common denominator that I've seen in 14 years with MAM is that most of the folks who are involved in a very tragic situation, I mean, I'm talking about the drivers, the offenders, they thought that they were okay to drive. And that's a very common theme. And and I believe them. I mean, I totally believe what they're saying. They think they're okay to drive at the time, but they're not. And the reason that happens so often is because they didn't make a plan to go out first beforehand and get back safely without alcohol or driving themselves. And then once the alcohol starts talking, getting effect on them, it makes a decision for them. So bad decisions are made, and they try to drive after being impaired, and bad things happen. Yeah, definitely. I, I remember there was a campaign a couple of years ago that was, I think the tagline was, buzzed driving is drunk driving, and, and mm-hmm. even a, a slight impairment is is such a big deal. And now, of course, we have a lot of conversation coming up. I feel like a lot of this is, is coming back up again because of texting and driving, and to add that into the mix, it makes it so much more dangerous. Here's this other major, major you know complication that is really impacting drivers safety. 
Well, there's no doubt. Um, anytime that you're, you're not focused on the road, whether it's impairment from alcohol or drugs or prescription or illegal drugs, or like you say, texting and driving, you're just not paying attention. It takes your focus off the roadway. Um, but in particular with alcohol, you know, we, we studied this for years, and, and we have a, you know, under the NHTSA research and CDC, and at a .08 level, and, and folks, you know, .08 is not much. Even at a .08 level, your critical driving skills are impaired through tests and, and tons of research, which include driving, lane changing, reaction, and steering. That's all slowed down and impaired. So poor judgment is the result, and a person really can't safely control their car. They might in, in perfect circumstances, but put something out of the ordinary in there where someone may you know, run a red light or stop suddenly, and that's where bad things happen. And that happens all the time on our highways. One, one thing I want to point out, if I may, is we think drunk driving is going away. It really isn't, and unfortunately, a very alarming trend has just come out that for, this, for the second year since 2015, we're seeing the fatalities increase again on our roads, and that's an alarming trend. I was just about to ask you about, about data and how that's tracking, and what do you make of that? Why do you think it's gone up? Well, there's a lot of reasons for it, and I think one thing that, you know, MAD stands strongly is the support of our law enforcement to be out there and really try to identify and detect impaired drivers. Um, we got to support the law enforcement officers that are trying to do their job to make our roads safe. Um, we have to be able to take the drunk driver off of the road in order to stop this from happening. And I think, quite frankly, there's a sense of complacency at times because there are other other um, forms of, of distracted driving and paired driving, which are you know, equally horrendous, but it, it doesn't mean that drunk driving is going away. So we want to recreate these messages, refocus and reemphasize them. And again, they're taglines or jingles, but designate a non-drinking driver, plan ahead, you know, get a Uber, Lyft, a, a car company that can take you home or a taxi, and and that or stay the night. And, and that way, we're assured of not having something that should be a fun time over the summer holidays turn into a very tragic time. Right, right. Yeah, I, I I agree. You know, drink all you want, just make a plan ahead of time. I think, especially with access to public transportation in a time where Uber and Lyft are widely available, you know, it's it's hard to. Hard to even imagine why somebody would not, uh, you know, would resort to drinking and driving. Um, as we're looking at this data, though, and, and you're mentioning how, how this, this has gone up, in fact, is there a particular age group that we see most, most impacted? Yes, unfortunately, that stayed pretty much consistently the same over the past decade. And that's the 21 to 34-year-old age group, uh, and particularly males, uh, not to stereotype, but that's, that is the data that shows that. That age group does demographics are the ones who seem to be, in terms of the offenders, um, the most prevalent in, in terms of the impact of how that transposes to on the victim side of this, there's just no no discrimination. There's just totally everybody is completely at risk. Um, it doesn't matter if your age, gender, where you're from, how often you drive. If you're out there on the highway, and again, this is just firsthand just experience, it can happen to anyone, no matter how good of a driver you may be. And, and you know, an example would be you can be the best driver in the world. And that's why I think folks don't really get it that it can happen to you, too, even though you don't think it will. You could be sitting at a red light, you know, obeying every traffic law mm -hmm. as you should, 
and a drunk driver can come at you and, and you know, 60 mile an hour and rear-end you because yeah. he or she's out of control. So it can happen to anyone. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's it's not just about uh, the safety of the the impaired driver, but it's the people around them. As as I said at the top of this segment, in in my own family, that has that that is how it played out. Uh, so so I certainly appreciate you being here with us today. We're talking with Doug Scholes, who is the Great Lakes Area Regional Director of MAD Mothers Against Drunk Driving. And uh, Doug, we have a couple of phone calls. If it's okay with you, I think people have questions for you. Uh, sure. Patty, you're on WGN. You have a question about the Good Samaritan laws. I do. Um, I was just wondering about if you take into account what happened at Penn State a few months ago with the frat boys who were all too afraid for themselves to um, call about their friend who was severely impaired and injured, Mm -hmm. and he ended up dying. And um, I have a friend's son who got a drinking ticket at the U of I for calling his on his friend. He called for ambulance for his friend, and now he's unable to drive for a year. I think there would, should be some kind of a Good Samaritan law that we can apply to our college students and our young people to keep them from getting in trouble for calling and not being so afraid to call. So your friend's son called, worried about his friend who was driving under the influence, and he himself... Not driving. He was at a, actually at a fraternity party. It's not just a bit about drunk driving. It's about just being impaired. And race drinking, probably. Yeah. And yeah. Um, he got a ticket, a, part, a drinking ticket, because he was underage, Ah. And so he cannot drive for a year, and um, his friend went to the hospital, and they they saved his life. But the kid was punished for calling on his friend. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that that that's actually I, I've heard that um, that's that's not that uncommon in terms of of that discussion. Um, in terms of mad, um, it's a very um, delicate subject. Um, and we have, you know, we really encourage uh, college administrators to have dialogue with uh, student leaders um, over this very topic. The, the first thing I would say is that I applaud your friend for doing that. As yeah. he, he or she saved a life, and that's right. the most. I don't care if I had a ticket or not. I would be still, you know, still. Um, I stand on what I do, and I think that's – you saved a life, first of all. But I think there needs to be some discussion more about this. I think it's a great point that you're bringing up. Um, you know, the, the law says you have to be 21 to drink alcohol, so we don't want to ignore the law. Uh, and But yet at the same time, we, we certainly – I would encourage anyone to always put the life of someone first. And I'm not right. going to be able to answer you satisfactorily today, but I think it, it does warrant more discussion because it's a very complicated subject. Yeah. Thank, yeah. thank you so much for the call, Patty. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, it's you know it's a complicated one. That one in particular, and I agree with you, Doug, that that it's really all about saving lives at the end of the day, and and I think that is another point that comes up a lot when we're talking about this. I think a lot of people uh, there. Well, there's some anecdotal, you know, narratives anyway that are out there about how, uh, you know, if you see a, a car that seems to be driving erratically, mm-hmm. some people say call 311, some people say call 911, some people say leave it alone, it's none of your business, you know, there's a lot out there, you know, what what is your official stance on that if you see a car that might be a danger? Well, first of all, I think, I think before, you know, I, protect yourself and, and, and your occupants in your vehicle and so I, I, I'm stopping short of saying of following that vehicle or anything else. You want to make sure you don't endanger your your, your own life or the, the lives of those who are riding with you. So I wouldn't want to be playing hero and trying to follow that car. I also, at the same time, if somebody's driving very knowingly to you, they're erratic and there's something wrong, 
by all means, I think law enforcement supports us 100% to call them 911. If for and some states have different uh, numbers to call, in, in, in doubt 911 will do it. It's an emergency in progress because a person is out of control on a highway. They very likely will hurt themselves or other people. And um, state police, high patrol, law, local law enforcement, they want to know that. And they can certainly dispatch someone to the area to try to stop this person from happening. As we know, in Illinois, we've had a, a rash increases of wrong-way driving, mm-hmm. uh, as many other states have as well. Uh, it's so important. That's such a hard thing to catch in real time. So I really strongly advise if you see something that's not right, and you're sure it's not right, I mean, we don't want to guess, by all means, call 911 immediately. Yeah, yeah. You know, another thing I, I want to bring up is, is uh, although I, I, I say this, recognizing that we're in a time where there are very contentious relationships between certain communities and law enforcement, mm-hmm. and I do recognize that, there's also a, a pretty widespread practice on holiday weekends to use social media to alert people to DUI checkpoints, which is really, really, uh, I think that skews into really interesting ethical territory for me because, uh, yes, you maybe want to tell people that, you know, you might be late to your destination because you'll have to go through a checkpoint. But also, I feel like you're, you know, the whole point is we want impaired drivers to get off the road so that they will not, you know, endanger someone's life, including their own. Yeah, sobriety checkpoints is a very interesting topic, and I can actually throw another twist on to that. Um, the stats show from NISA that when they are highly publicized, they actually deter drunk driving behavior about to 23%. And by just talking about sobriety checkpoints can deter drunk driving behavior. Now, obviously, we don't want people to just purposely try to circumnavigate them. I think yeah. we are crossing ethical lines there. That, I think that's a great point. But when we publicize checkpoints, and, and some states do, some states cannot do that or won't have checkpoints, but we're actually putting out a message similar to what we see drive sober get pulled over. And the idea is that if you're going to drive impaired, there's going to be uh, mechanisms out there on the highways, either law enforcement officers in cars or sobriety checkpoints or saturation patrols on the highway that are going to catch drunk drivers and impaired drivers. So we want the message to be drive safely, responsibly, Keep the alcohol out of it. Don't don't drive after you've been drinking. No drugs, no impairment. Don't text and drive. If we do that, we can save so many lives. And and, and alcohol alone, we we're losing over ten thousand people in our country a year. That's fatalities. Over two hundred thousand, three thousand people are injured. So this is not a problem. That's just a, a, a sporadic problem. It's happening on a widespread basis. Yeah, 10,000 10, people a year in this country. That's that's far too many, and they're all very preventable deaths. So Doug Scholes, Grand La- uh, sorry, Great Lakes Regional Director of MAD, thank you so much for being with us today. I really appreciate you sharing your knowledge on this very serious topic. Thank you, Amy, and I, and I wish everybody a, a, a happy and a very safe Fourth of July weekend. Indeed. Agreed. Thank you so much. All right. We are going to take a little break and be back in just a bit. Amy Guth in for John Williams here on 720 WGN.